Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Welcome back to the Dangerous World Podcast, guys. Got Brandon Peacock here, joined as always by Ryan Dean. Today we're diving into a little bit of HP Lovecraft, right, man? Yeah, dude, this is a jam-packed episode, man. I mean, we have, uh, you know, a little special something for you guys in this episode, um, connected with a great Lovecraftian author. Um, This guy, David West, he's written several different types of books. Uh, just a fun guy all around, and um, he, he's mostly wrote in westerns, like I said, but he did get mentioned in a few uh, little uh, little websites and things like that. So um, it was Publishers Weekly that he got mentioned in, which is actually pretty huge for like a pulp guy, right? Like pulp fiction type stuff. This is this is pretty big for for him. So I'm I'm excited to get in on the ground floor. You know, we bought shares of David West very early on. And so we're excited just to really just exploit someone else's talent, right? <laughs> and just totally take advantage of people that come onto our show. You know, that's that's what we do with our guests. We we are in it for ourselves. We're not in it for the guest. Uh, so, you know, it's just good to, to get someone on that has the potential of really, uh, you know, blowing up very soon. Um, but in all seriousness, David West is a, a great author. Um, really excited to get his books. Um, he sent us his newest one here, which is uh, the sci-fi fantasy book. And I'm pulling up the uh, name of it here because I am so bad at remembering things. But it's the Tales of Yog Sothoth. And Yog Sothoth, from what I understand, because I am not the expert on HP uh, Lovecraft. But um, this is this is a, a part of a, a one part of a four part series. I think this is the second, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. But go check him out, um, David West on our Instagram. Um, you can easily see him. Kind of looks like a little bit like Alistair, or not like Alistair Crowley. Who's the other dude? Anton Lavey looks a little bit like him. A little creepy. But hey, he's a much nicer guy. I'm guessing. Uh, I don't think he sacrificed anyone. Um, but just just a really fun conversation that we had. And he educated me a good amount on HP Lovecraft throughout this episode. And so um, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Um, also excited for you guys to hear our little tidbit of uh, of just a little bit of fun that we had. You know what I mean? So uh, with that being said, I haven't shouted out Jade Premium CBD in a little while. And I really want to uh, get back to the normal grind. It's been so chaotic lately. So I think it's important, you know, Jade Premium CBD, jcbd.co, you can visit their website there. Um, Anytime you want to buy any of the products, make sure that you enter the promo code DANGER, because if you don't, we'll kill you. You know what I mean? So just make sure that it just goes safe. And, you you know, we don't want to do anything crazy here. We don't want things to, you know, escalate. Um, we don't want to be labeled as domestic terrorists in this situation. So just make sure you enter the promo code danger, um, top, top level, uh, you know, <laughs> rubs, topical rubs. Uh, they have the great pain lotion that he sent us. Um, I love that stuff. Sent us some dog treats, sent us some gummies and it's just great, great stuff that they have over there. Um, they also have tinctures as well. Um, those that's their most popular product. So check them out at jcbd.co, enter the promo code DANGER so we don't have to kill you for 10% off. And with that being said, man, um, there's something that we did with this. You know, we we did a little, we went above and beyond, you know. <laughs> this isn't the stuff that you asked for, but it's the stuff that you need, right? <laughs> these these are the, the audio clips and the songs that you need, much like our skit the other day, which by the way, Brandon, that skit, went over very well with our audience 
you know, highly popular. I played a beta cuck and you played a bad ass and it was fun. <laughs> you know, it was just a lot of fun. And um, I enjoyed doing that. It was it was nice. I was a little sad when I saw my belly in your medium shirt, which you don't you don't even fit in that shirt, right? No, no, no. But you were looking very like what's his name, uh, Will Ferrell from uh, More Cowbell Skit kind of kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was it was good, man. It looked like you were just like wearing a flotation device, getting ready to go back into the pool after the COVID restrictions have been lifted here. But uh, no, no, it was fun. It's fun as fuck, dude. I mean, this is the this is the multimedia. Uh, um, kind of project we were uh, originally planning for right kind of some uh what's it called prestige worldwide kind of shit um and it was fun to do that man and why, then why, why? yeah <laughs> and then after that yeah we we decided we want to put our nose to the the musical grindstone dude and uh, over the past i guess month and a half or so uh which seems like a little bit too long to be maybe uh coming up with something as silly as what you guys are about to hear but yeah we got a song for you guys man we have a shared uh, a person out there who has both heard us very, very deeply. Uh, we're still wrapped around her manly bulging pinkies, uh, and so so we just wanted to to you know show a little musical tribute to how much she's meant to us in our lives. And I think we I think we did a good good uh, good job, man. It's kind of a banger of a song. I mean, the recording, whatever. It's not the studio quality, but it's 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 a good one, you guys. The melody is there, and the lyrics are. Uh, they're nice. They're nice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this song doesn't get caught in your head, uh, you <laughs> probably should just go ahead and run into a knife or, you know, you, you have some problems with your brain. If you don't just enjoy the song thoroughly um, again, can't emphasize enough. This isn't about a real person. This is a fictitious person that right. we're speaking of here. And, um, you know, we have been hurt by this person because Brandon and I share a lot of dreams and we we really try to make sure that we get all of our angst out. You know, we don't want to uh, spread any hate to our listeners or to our supporters in any way, um, especially our patrons, which we just released, uh, you know, a couple couple days ago, a fantastic Patreon episode where we really get into this whole you know, as much as you guys may not like it, the election stuff, we tie it back. But if you are interested in that, um, there are some very, very jaw dropping uh, revelations that are coming about with the election. Um, so in my opinion, it is not over. But um, with that being said, enjoy this episode with David West. But first, you're going to hear a song that's probably going to change your life. It's probably going to rethink your sexuality a little bit. You're probably going to you know, talk to friends that you haven't talked to in a long time. You're going to probably buy that product that you didn't think that you were going to buy. You're probably going to treat yourself a little better. You're going to eat that dessert. You're going to order dessert next time you go out. You're going to, you know, jog that extra mile. You're going to take that extra long shower after you hear this song. Um, you know, it's going to be just a fun, a fun thing for you guys. So we appreciate you. And uh, you can look forward to a lot more of this bullshit content coming out and we are just ever expanding here and i know i've been teasing merch for a little while but uh there are some interesting interesting developments coming along with the merch here so with that being said we love you guys and you know put two and two together with the song if you will but enjoy it above all I hope uh michelle puts you guys in the mindset of just being where you are as my as my dear cousin said Enjoy. Oh, Michelle, why you dig so long? Oh, Michelle, why your shoulders so strong? Adam's apples, mad protruding Masculinity you're exuding I saw you singing on Sesame Street Taping back that man meat bulging in your mom jeans You got some kids who eat some vegetables But you also introduced them Eggplants and testicles Oh, Michelle Why your dick so long? Oh, Michelle 
Why your shoulders so strong? Parents got you from the CIA And they're proud cause they know you'll rule the world someday You say when they go low we must go high But old Barry's sending lots of people up to the sky Droning on about how he'll protect France When the biggest bomb he's got is that big black nuke in your pants Oh, Michelle Why you dick so long? Oh, Michelle Looking so right, feeling so wrong you got the looks and you've got the hips of a pro-linebacker with a bigger dick. Come time the kayak, we'll be partnering up. Be sure to pack a one piece and be sure to pack a cup. Cause when you sit in back, and I sit in front I don't wanna feel a dick Where I thought That there would be a cunt Oh, Michelle Why you dick so long? Oh, Michelle Why your shoulders so strong? I don't know how And I don't know why But I'm still your man And you're my guy Oh, Michelle why you dick so long? Oh, Michelle. Why you showing us so strong? Oh, Michelle. Why you dick so long? All right, everybody, we brought on David West to talk a little bit about some interesting Lovecraftian, demonic alien energy, the entities of the entire uh, Lovecraft world. Some Westworld shit, right? Yeah, it's fascinating, dude. So he just came out with a new <laughs> book, Tales of Yog sothoth uh, which is part of this, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Necronomicon uh, you know, entities that Lovecraft kind of created himself. Lots of weird controversy around H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Most of all, his cat's name, which I didn't realize is uh, N-Word Man, which is fascinating <laughs> to me. He's so he's so ethnic in his description of where the bad people come from, man. <laughs> yeah. we'll get, I know we'll get into this. Like the, like the Coal of Cthulhu was like those fucking Eskimos and their weird-ass shit that they're getting up to up there in the, in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. Dude, it's very interesting, but David Wise, or I'm sorry, David West, welcome to, uh, we just had David Weiss on, so this is very confusing for me, but uh, David West, I'm really, really happy to have you on, man, just to, just to talk about your work and to kind of break down the Lovecraftian universe, um, so how are you doing, man? Good, you bet, I'm happy to be here, I've been listening to you guys for quite a while now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, so talk about your work a little bit. Talk, you know, plug any of the work that you want our listeners to know about. Plug your social media, all that good stuff. You bet. I have uh, been writing what I'd call pulp type fiction for quite a while now, you know, since 2010. And I like to dip my fingers in lots of stuff as long as it's action oriented. And this Tales of Yogg Sothoth is coming out April 1st. But I just got some. Uh, author copies so i was excited that's what i shared online because uh at david west instagram is me david j west instagram is me and then david underscore j west on twitter is probably where i'm about the most active facebook that kind of junk i think i had a parlor but i never showed up <laughs> <laughs> well no you no, no um, use doing that anymore <laughs> yeah parlor's weird dude oh they, yeah i know <laughs> they're they seem to be somewhat of a so, psyop uh, I think you get on a list if you uh, join Parlor. <laughs> I don't. I I'm probably already on a list. It's like when you're a writer and you start looking up. How long does it take for a body to decompose in 80 degrees <laughs> with this much humidity? They they you get put on a list. Netflix Netflix starts planning a documentary <laughs> like, about you and all I, this shit. <laughs> I become. I think I'd be called Book King. 
Book King. Book King. Oh, that's down. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Office yeah. here. <laughs> that's good. Well, dude. So you know, break but, down uh, this entire. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think that we're dealing with a little delay here. It's probably on our end, but uh, I, I, I really wanted to learn about the Lovecraft workings. Um, obviously, a very controversial figure. He's tied in with Aleister Crowley, Anton LaVey, uh, Michael Aquino, even you know the the psyop director uh, mm-hmm. of the military um, opened up the the Temple of Set, and I think San Francisco. Um, a, a lot of satanic yeah, kind studio, of yeah. Yeah, a lot of satanic energy and a lot of interesting kind of dark arts going on with H.P. Lovecraft. So, I mean, if you can, just a a quick summary of his work and maybe even his life, because you seem very knowledgeable in uh, H.P. Yeah, he was definitely influenced by a lot of the the writers back from his era that weren't as well known now, like Lord Dunsany and things, and Howard Mackin and uh, uh, Howard Mackin. I've got Howard on the brain because I like Howard Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, but it was uh, Arthur Mackin. And, you know, he started doing his own thing and submitting little stories in his head to the pulp magazines of the day and coming up with these bizarre characters. And it's it's just fascinating that that zeitgeist has survived because what he touched on, you know, it just it clicks with people that there's these ancient alien gods that came here eons ago and have been manipulating us it's like he kind of jump-started the whole ancient alien idea with these horrible things cthulhu being the most most famous but uh you know i enjoy like stories with like nyar lithotep who's this black pharaoh-like figure who's kind of pseudo-based he kind of based him on tesla nikola tesla because he was just freaked out by this guy that's such a super genius above others and is manipulating things and then in turn you know the ideas that he had you know could be based in a circular thing you know with uh, some of the occultists because uh islam had the idea of kathulos as the forsaker as this terrible spirit god thing and you know Crowley talked about Cthulhu and then here it is how many years later he writes about the call of Cthulhu and that you know that was one probably still the most popular character of his for sure green squid faced guy and uh, you know people like Crowley were definitely trying to commune with other entities Jack Parsons JPL and then once that got picked up from other people like um course now that i'm talking about it i'm spacing a name but there was a british occultist that tried to take all of the cthulian entities and put them into his own occult religion uh i can't believe it i of course i'm spacing it right as i'm about to say (laughs) well no you know and it's interesting how so much of that ties together well, of course, dude, and that's Go what ahead. I was Sorry. really fascinated about when I was looking into the the very limited knowledge that I do have about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. It's how much he seemed to be ahead of the game when it comes to these, like the, this esoteric knowledge, you know, talking about, you know, all of like the ancient Egyptian culture and then tying it in with, you know, demonic alien energy, you know. I think that to me, obviously Cthulhu is definitely the biggest one, right? But then you have like these other characters, the Migos. There's great movies that have come out um, from his workings, like The Color from Space, starring Nick Cage, one of my uh, favorite actors. You got a great Metallica mm-hmm. song, The Call of Cthulhu, right? Of course. The dude. intro to the SMM yeah. uh, album, yeah. best of all time. <laughs> yeah, dude. We used to play that uh, in, uh, in uh, like f- using fake like two by fours and stuff. We used oh, to just dude. jam out. Jam the fuck out. Yes, I still do. By the way, that's how much of a kid I am. <laughs> well, dude, and it—I mean, so as far as as far as H.P. Lovecraft goes, do you think that he was channeling like demonic energy, or do you think that he was just very well researched in in times before the internet, when it seems like this knowledge wasn't so easily spreadable? I mean, what is your opinion on that? There's specifically, like stuff like the the the, the rats that- in the walls story that talks about. Like people who mm-hmm. have been uh, subjugated from the 
the Terranian Earth, right? The above ground Earth, and then the subterranean Earth. These people are living underground in this underground cavernous city. I can't remember what the the name of the city was, but they're like they've been reverted into quadrupedal organisms where they're walking on all fours, almost like cows. Now they're being milked for things like what we would call adrenochrome mm-hmm. these days. And uh, what a, a frequent uh, mention on our podcast, David, uh, was is his name David Bird? Something like Admiral Bird um, is talking about the fact that like he he's seen this stuff in the hollow earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what what connection to reality do you think do you think H.P. Lovecraft has been has been hinting at through all of his his weird ass novellas, man? I I definitely lean towards some strange ideas. That's why I like listening to you guys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I I can't help but wonder if he's not tied into something because you know. As a, as a writer and a create fiction writer and a creator, you know, you're always dreaming up weird stuff, but in so many ways, he was so far ahead of the game. And I, I find it so fascinating that a guy that's a self-professed atheist goes and creates this pantheon of horrible gods. <laughs> you know, most atheists don't come up with more gods. Yeah. And the idea of ancient aliens and that there's this lost alien city in Antarctica you know he in his story the mountains of madness you know it was pseudo yeah. influenced by uh, edgar Allan poe's the narr- narrative of arthur gordon pym but you know we we've got people still running with that with all the weirdness about antarctica now and aliens and who's who do we go back to that first wrote about this secret city in antarctica lovecraft and i can't help but wonder if he wasn't tied into some other ulterior essence that you know was feeding him things and i i'm fascinated by that i'm not saying it's 100 not just his own imagination but i i find it fascinating on how he brought it all together and it's interesting on the staying power for someone that was writing in the 20s and 30s that his popularity is as big now as it ever was of course i would yeah i would definitely argue that it's it's probably more so now i mean and and you know everyone says that like the best thing for an author or an artist's career is dying you know if you're very underrated when you're alive you die and and people start to discover your shit and it's fascinating to me too and dude like with with uh the entire so so it it does seem obviously that you seem to believe that he was channeling something now it was very likely possibly through drugs in my opinion from what i gather from the dude and we just did a a fun drug episode and like the history of drugs and we were talking about how you know a, a very pure innocent person could take drugs and have a completely different experience versus someone that leans towards those dark learnings and the dark arts where you know someone that that's enthralled in their you know sober state with something like that is going to kind of dig deeper in and get some more like, you know, possibly like, I, I don't like using the word demonic, but I mean, like if you're going to start taking in this interesting information from the ether, um, drugs may be helping you. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into your personal life, but you know, you're, you're a, a author. I don't know if you use any enhancements in your work. <laughs> I'm not going to necessarily ask. Is there just like silent window kind of thing going on here? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Mostly caffeine and sugar. There you uh, go. Uh, those, those are the worst of them the, all. The dude. American drugs. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I I mean, I, I think yeah, that... I'm very American. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking, fucking A, dude. But no, you know, the thing with, uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, Mountain of Madness and how it's about like the hollow earth and Antarctica. Um, Call of Cthulhu, uh, Cthulhu is another one. Um, the color from space I mentioned, and then there's this other really interesting one, the Dunwich Horror, which references the Necronomicon. Um, talk about the Necronomicon, that's dude. Probably my favorite. Is it? Well, that's the thing. Like, I've heard a lot of Necronomicon mentioned. Some people think it's actually like a real fucking book that was passed on through history. We, we were introduced to it through uh, Brendan Fraser in the uh, the Mummy series, right? Emotep. Really? Emotep. Yeah, the Book of the Dead, right? Ne- I don't Necronomicon. That, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, mm-hmm. what what's the significance yeah. of the Necronomicon? It, it's this fictitious book that he 
put into his stories that has all these horrible uh, revelations thanks to the mad Arab Alhazarad who wrote it all down because he was channeling these entities and writing it all down. And the funny story is when I was quite a bit younger, we're talking pre-internet days, I was hunting around in this old used bookstore and I found this book called The Necronomicon and Other Essays. And I bought it because I was vaguely aware of Lovecraft. And I took it home. Or actually, I took it to my grandfather's and I was staying in the basement, this cold, dark basement. And I was reading it down there and just freaked out. Mm. I find out years later, it was a bunch of guys just BSing. El Sprague to camp and uh, another guy that's an occultist like Andrew Collins. Oh, no, Colin Wilson. Sorry. And a bunch of those guys were just making crap up, you know, but they made it so convincing writing about how Lovecraft's father was into Egyptian masonry. Could Lovecraft have gotten his ideas from his father? Because his father went insane and killed himself. And uh, it, it started me down a path of the what ifs. And even though those guys were having a lark and just making crap up, I, I think it's one of those fun things where there was enough truth mixed in that that's why some of it makes you go, hmm. Now, I'm not 100% sure that Lovecraft is channeling anything, but I'm very open to that. In fact, I'm probably more open to that than the drug idea, just because I'm not really aware of him imbibing in much of anything too much that i'm aware of he just didn't seem like that kind of a guy and there could be some guys that are bigger experts than me that'll be like hey wait a second he tried opium in his aunt's house once you know and i don't know that <laughs> stuff but it, he was definitely i think broadening his mind in some way to touch on other subjects and i'm i'm fascinated with that so possibly through like meditation Sorry, or I'm like maybe meditation maybe, or maybe. other i mean with these kinds of people that that you know shape culture for generations it, it seems hard to believe that they're not tapping into something now i just you that's, know that's i don't that's what i'm inclined to think for sure and i don't know you at all obviously but i would uh you know guess that you are somewhat of a you know spiritual person or a religious person not necessarily a church going uh, you know not that it's good or bad to be anything um but i i would guess that you are spiritual or you believe in like a devil and a god yes no yeah yeah that's firm but fair okay okay well hey now i because yes. the reason that i'm the reason i'm saying that is because if you're if if you don't think that he was hallucinating and creating this insane uh you know parallel reality which is what i think it is you know this kind of stuff is very interesting and it's so uh you know it it does seem like a parallel universe to me it seems like this the stuff that he's talking mm -hmm. about is described so well to where it is a reality somewhere right so you know yeah. what I, what i was getting at with like uh you know lovecraft's um knowledge about like the ancient egyptian texts and stuff this emerald tablet are you familiar at all with the emerald tablet yes so i mean like describe that to someone like me that's an idiot that really doesn't know anything about it other than like it's it's basically like the unwritten uh history of the world it connects like human and cosmic consciousness um Elaborate on that more for me, if you don't mind. Well, it's called the Emerald uh, Tablet of Thoth, and you know, and it's supposed to have all this knowledge from ancient history all the way forward. I, I think it ties into the Akashic Record type things, which is supposed to be the collection of everything. You know, and I don't know how much I buy any of that, but I mean, I'm interested, and I just. I keep myself open to possibilities. You know, I, I don't like to shut myself off or just dismiss anything completely out of hand. So sure. I, I'm fascinated enough to try and keep tabs on weird occult stuff like that. And I, I do come from a spiritual background. I'm definitely very open to that, but I, I'm probably not your run of the mill, uh, pearl clutching Christian either. You know, I'm out there with, well, there's some stuff that doesn't make sense here. And how does this fit into my personal cosmology? Um, so with, with the tablet of thought, that's not any of the same thoughts 
per se that Lovecraft talks about, but he definitely would mix and match these names that sound familiar, you know. Does our sound okay? No, yeah, I mean, yeah. that that to me is crazy, dude, because like... I am sorry like, for the delay. No, you're, you're no it's fine, it's, it's, it's probably me, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's our internet on this end, I think. But no, you know, what what else is, is kind of scary is how much he influenced, you know, Anton LaVey, Michael Aquino. Um, these people are really tapping into his learnings, and I'm sure that they're very knowledgeable about what he was doing. Anton LaVey, everyone knows, you know, this dude, like, started the Church of Satan. Michael Aquino was a, a key player, uh, looked up to Anton LaVey and Aleister Crowley. And there's a lot of these sort of figures that add to that satanic panic, which I think was in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, when the, that really kicked off. The moral majority, where the whole bunch yeah. of Christian, yeah. like people were trying to talk about things like, make sure you put uh, parental advisory stickers on stuff. You know, stuff that like D. Snyder was showing up <laughs> and talking to congressional like <laughs> bureaucracies about like, let's at least make sure that kids can hear me say fuck a couple times on my record. Right. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't write it off to that, but oh, at yeah, least the, yeah. the it, ability for it people did but like help boost the sales for two lives crew. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, nothing we can't say enough about how little these people who were fighting against the, the, the you know, the, the, the main culture at the time, because I'm, I am against the moral majority at that time. Right. Is like, I'm more of the, uh, the anti-establishment, like punk, uh, fuck Maggie uh, Thatcher kind of kind of movement, but but those are the things that are keeping things like H.P. Lovecraft from being really accepted, not as truth, but it, it at least keeps it from being accepted as like a, hey, maybe this is more than just a, uh, you know, just uh, just fiction. You know, what I mean, we're tapping into something something real here and something from a a very key period in time in time where we were. Discussing things like globalism, like like wh- how does how does the European Empire organize itself and such? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating how some of those guys have been drawn to it, and you know, Aquino was uh, you know really right up there with Levey until they split, and then he went and did his own Temple of Set thing. And I I've read some of the stuff that he's put together, and it's it's pretty out there on how he comes up with, you know, the darkness was first and then it, the light came and scorched it before, you know, and banished us. And it's like, whose side are you on, man? <laughs> you're human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the only picture you're going to really find of uh LeVay and Aquino together will be with Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> if you Google them, <laughs> trying to find a picture of them together. If wow. we're if anyone's trying to to shake off the influence that these weird ass cultures would have had on uh, on like um, Hollywood, you know, and and huge publishing public publishing artists, that's that's the kind of evidence that would just shun that stuff. It's like these people they 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 mix together, you know what I mean? Like there's, and there's and there's the H.P. Lovecraft has that that great novella, The Shadow of Time, where he talks about like time travel, where you're not only just talking about the people who are in charge to now or the people who are. You know, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is there's a whole bunch of racial shit that gets into that, but he's like the introduction of the African American into like a great like uh, um, uh, American, uh, 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 you know, uh, what what is it called when? Wasn't he part of the Rat Pack? Yeah, part of the Rat Pack. So like three people singing together here. Yeah, four people singing together. Excuse excuse me, four. You know, the numerology of that, and then also um, the idea of just this time travel in period. Like this connects uh, the ideas of like. All the people who used to know shit, some crazy shit. We got you got whoever you want to mention throughout history. They they now have through H.P. Lovecraft's fiction some kind of way of like tapping into each other through these whatever H.P. Lovecraft was tapping into. Well, dude, David, have you gotten much into numerology? Because like Brandon brought up something really interesting there that the, the number four is like the devil's number. Like a lot of people think that we're getting into the fourth Reich. Um, and numerology, of course, a lot of people are like, no, the devil's number is 666. But um, if we're talking numerolo- numerologically speaking, uh, you know, you go from one through nine and then you have 11, 22 and 33, which are your master numbers. Um, and four is the number of the devil, according to numerology, from what I understand. 
and um, you know the Fourth Reich is this big thing. We have four members in a in a traditional band. Um, I mean, four directions in the world. Four rules our realm that we're living in on Earth. You know, your house typically a, a very basic house has four corners. Um, you know, do you get into numerology much, or are you familiar with it at all? I'm semi familiar with it. I'm definitely not an expert. Yeah, it's interesting, dude. Like when you start talking about like demonic energy and how they can be using numbers to tap into whether it be, you know, real or or just, you know, something that people believe in because if enough obviously if enough, you know, leaders of the world or high-profile people believe in something, it becomes true eventually. And that's what's scary about this Lovecraft stuff is that there's some high-profile people that are major players in the counterculture throughout, you know, our lifetime and, and you know, before and probably going into after we're gone that that really follow this Lovecraft's uh, work. And, you know, I, I kind of yeah. wanted to I, I wanted to get into a little more about like some of the characters that he created, some of your favorites, maybe obviously Cthulhu is the the major one. We see him in South Park. We see him in Metallica. We see him in all kinds of pop culture. And he is he is the funnest looking one. He looks like he gives a mean blowjob. You know what I mean? He's got some weird <laughs> shit going he has on. Some suckage power. Yeah, 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 dude. So there's something interesting about Cthulhu. But what are some other ones that you think are are you know fascinating to you personally? I, I really liked um, the Shugoths that he has in uh, at the Mountains of Madness and some of the other stories, and they're basically blobs big shapeless blobs that can take any form they want they have nothing but eyes and mouths <laughs> they they're big and they're just a big blob that can take anything it wants to do as practically unstoppable i'm fascinated with that and those are just supposed to be like worker drones <laughs> that were serving the uh uh elder things which are big potato starfish looking things <laughs> so it sounds like the, like those hollow earth beings like the hollow earth beings that are kind of like mechan mechanoid type drone figures. And so like, yeah, that, it's it. How that ties in with, uh, with hollow earth theory, how he does personally is pretty terrifying because mm. I'm actually a hollow earther myself. I believe that the earth is absolutely hollow. I believe in Agartha. Uh, I trust Larry bird. I think he's a national treasure. And I think that we need to, uh, you know, look more into his work as a collective. But um, do you do you follow the Hollow Earth stuff? Like, because obviously this this uh, what is it? The Mountain of Madness. It's heavily influenced by yeah. Hollow Earth and Antarctica, where it's like the land beyond the ice walls. Um, where do you fall on like the Hollow Earth? That real, real quick, there's a real quick. There's a real cool like mixture here of what you were talking about earlier, David, with the like um, being so abstracted from reality that things start to look a little bit fuzzy. Like that, that, that once you tell these stories about how reality actually works, whether it be through fiction or nonfiction, they start feeling really, really real to those people who, who listen to the, who listen to the stories and, and people who actually have some influence on, how we perceive the world. I mean, the, the postmodern movement, which has started in France, right, which is the post of the 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 fiction noir, which which you are familiar with, uh, uh, David, where he started talking about darkness, about the the lighting in in whatever uh, me, uh, form of media they they choose, whether that be film or or books. It's like it's like it's weird. You you the people who start reading this and taking it seriously, they start realizing that you have to have some balance of lightness. And darkness in order in order to perceive truth, and for things like he like like H.P. Lovecraft hints at, like the Hollow Earth, it makes it a really fucking like really juicy story to bite into because he agrees with both the lightness in people and the darkness in people, right? And, and storytelling in general, which is storytelling, is how we 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 all make stories up to to, to talk about how our place in the world, about how we we perceive others and and their endeavors. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a guy named Mark Stavish 
who I would really recommend for you guys to have as a guest someday if you could get him. He wrote a book called Egregores. And the concept behind the egregore is that, you know, you're giving life to something else. And the more people that are giving life to some idea, some feeling, the more it comes to be. And definitely when it comes to Lovecraft with how popular it is, you know, all the books, touching on the movies, comics, uh, plushies of Cthulhu, that's all those people feeding into the idea of Cthulhu and how much does all these people believing in it and being fascinated with it give life to something like that and that's you know I don't believe Lovecraft ever believed he was going to start some kind of thing like that I don't think he had the the vision of that 100 years from now this is going to be crazy popular <laughs> yeah and that it's going to give life like that get get it wings and I I'm fascinated with that aspect of it and um, like you were saying about the light versus the darkness, that's probably why the Dunwich Horror is probably my favorite story of his, because it's the, about the only one where the good guys actually win. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time in Lovecraft, the protagonist sees Cthulhu, goes insane, goes sees insane. the Shugot, <laughs> goes insane. And Dunwich Horror is the one where the guys actually make it. <laughs> They're able to banish uh, Yogg-Sothoth from coming into our dimension by uh, using the Necronomicon and casting a counter spell that kind of shuts the gate. And I, that's probably why it's my favorite story. That's interesting, dude. Well, and like talking about, you know, the, the elder ones and like the old ones and all this stuff, like with CERN, you know, CERN is literally like, you know, CERN, the uh, Hydron Particle Kilometer Collider, whatever the fuck you call it over there. Uh, on Switzerland, in Switzerland, what is it? Switzerland, yeah, built built under Geneva. It's the biggest machine ever built by humans, according to yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so these people are trying to summon the old ones, and then you have Google trying to summon the old ones. Hillary Clinton has spoken about summoning the old ones as well, not in so many words, but you know, very interesting that we have so many elites and people with massive amounts of money behind them actually seeming to act on what this dude was writing and so you know again this is what makes you know the the lovecraft universe so interesting and terrifying to me personally is that these people that have more knowledge whether it be esoteric or uh you know just like any other type of knowledge that that you can possibly obtain these very wealthy people have that knowledge and they're able to tap into things with resources that just aren't available to you and I and, and anyone that's listening here. So with that being said, do you think that the elites are on the same frequency as Lovecraft trying to pursue some sort of demonic energy? Because I, I do feel like we're living in the devil's playground. If, if, you know, God and the devil are real, I think that we're a lot closer to hell than we are to heaven. And I think that if you can command that dark energy, you can overthrow a lot of the good energy that is put out. You, you can use a lot more power with dark magic, black magic, low magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, but do you think that the elites are kind of following in, in Lovecraft's footsteps in this way? I... I don't know that I would call it that because I definitely don't think that was his intention by any stretch, but I do think there's something to be said for how people are doing that. It's, it's like on the one side, it's like we're hearing, Oh, there's just materialism. There's only what you can see and touch and don't, that's all hoodoo voodoo. It's all made up. And yet they're doing this stuff. You know, CERN did that uh, big ceremony that was totally occultic and you have all these other people pulling stuff and i can't help but wonder personally through some personal experiences if there isn't something to the satanic panic in the sense that it was a double bluff we're saying that it's bs that there's nothing to it but there actually is and it's like if you're in the know you're in the know and if not you're left out in the cold just going along with your regular life that there's nothing out there that's extra that's my opinion I don't think Lovecraft was trying to channel anything evil per se because the guy was so agnostic. 
but I, I still think he must have been tapped into something that was still coming out on the page anyway. For sure. I mean, uh, what do you think about his uh, his little cat, old N-word man? Do you think that, uh, do you think that he was... Uh... I, I, I think that definitely... Go ahead. I think that definitely ties into his personal prejudices and racisms. I mean, he. I don't think he liked a lot of people at all he liked his own little cluster and then if he got to know you that'd be okay i mean his wife was jewish you know but he still said a lot of disparaging things about jews so it's interesting because it's almost like he's the type of person that's racist but hey if i get to know this guy oh then i like you you're okay you're one of the good ones yeah, I, I, there, there, there is some there is something transformative even about tapping into that reptile brain. I mean, I think horror is a genre that does that anyways. I mean, we, yeah. we've talked before about that. Like, it makes sense that the snake is a representation of the devil because it goes underground. And who the fuck knows what's going on down there? You know what I mean? Like it, it and well, there's the something goes. there's there's something evolutionarily programmed in your brain that when you see a snake wriggle on the ground, especially here, here us in the in the Southwest Desert, yeah. If you see that shit, you hop up like a motherfucker. Like mm-hmm. that is the reptile brain saying, "Be careful of what this shit is." And I think that HP that Lovecraft is this weird mixture of like, yeah, definitely just because of where he was born and when he was born, white supremacist. But doesn't that speak to something that we should, above race, above culture, be really scared of? Which is, to, to me, still just something imagined, and it's still beautiful, even if it's imagined. But it's 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 it has its effects uh, for people who can't see through the fact that it's imagined. That it has something to mm-hmm. do with how Steve King sees the world, you know, white, what <laughs> white supremacy, white nationalism, where did these become like crazy ideas? And, 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 and it's, it's a reptilian train of thought. I know I'm going off a little bit on a tangent there, Ryan here. I know you're, I know you're begging for some Marjorie green uh, input here, but, but, but doesn't that, that just, that just beckons something in our soul, man, which is a part of a great writer at, at very, very least. Definitely. And there's, there's something always to be said for the us versus them. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think definitely, I don't think too harshly of him in the sense of how times were where he lived. When, when he lived sure. in the neighborhood, he would, I don't think he would have stuck out that much as a racist. Now I'm not saying, yeah. you know, and it's easy to look back with hindsight and go, Oh, what a horrible person. Yeah, yeah, yeah But yeah. it's kind of like, every I, I don't <laughs> care. I'm not going to worry about, that end of it with 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 yeah it's not going to affect me today now granted i'm not a person of color but there comes a point where i can't be getting stressed out about what someone said a hundred years ago and live rent free in my head that's <laughs> yeah, just yeah, me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For it's, sure. it's For a sure. solid solid uh statement to make because dude like it wasn't just white people or or any any race. Racism wasn't, and it never will be limited to white people. You know, it, it's, it's obviously anywhere, anywhere us. Oh no, where where us exists, right? Yeah. Us and them exist. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. So you have you have black people hating white people, black people hating Mexicans, Mexicans hating Asians, Asians hating Native Americans, or whatever the fuck we're talking about, you know, and oh, so dude, it, it, I, I know a bunch of Central Americans and Mexicans hate Hondurans and Hondurans hate Mexicans <laughs> and Guatemalans hate Hondurans. It's just where they're at. And it's, it's funny. Uh, I grew up in Montana and I it's really close to a reservation where that we had Sioux, Cheyenne and Crow. So I ended up being closest with the, the Cheyenne, and they hate the Crow. So guess what? I hated the Crow, <laughs> the Crow tribe. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, get sucked yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It just Because I just absorbed what the Cheyenne kids around me, they're the Crow, they're, they're suckers. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, and you know, a lot of people don't then, know this uh, about me, but I have a chameleon named Rushki. And it, it's just you know something that's part of my culture. I, I you know, no, my chameleon's named Karma actually, but I, you know it's just it's one of those things where it's like, dude, you know you can't. 
uh, hold things against people. I mean, hey, our president is on film saying the N-word multiple times. Uh, not a fan of the president, if you listen to the podcast. When he is quoting other people, I will say. Yes. No, he's saying that we don't need N-words in our uh, He's quoting other schools. people in that quote. Okay. Yes. Sure, that's what Snopes tells you. But I'm, what I'm saying is I think that it's, it's very interesting that we get so angry about, uh, you know, discrediting someone's phenomenal work and, you know, very inspiring works, things that, that, that transform culture, and it lives through time. I should be so lucky to uh, create something that, that people will be talking about 100 years from now. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that the universe, and yeah, you as an author, I'm, I'm sure you feel the exact same way where, you know, you want to you know, maybe stir up a little controversy. You're not going to name your cat the N-word, but still, you're going to do something that is fun and interesting. Maybe you will. I don't know yet. I'm just saying that I think that we can, you know, there's there's a lot of things that that are fascinating about this dude. Um, my favorite being the stories, obviously. Um, I, I just found it really interesting when I started trying to research the dude that the fucking cat name popped up first on Google. And again, Google is very anti uh anyone that is free thinking or alternative thinking you know what i mean real quick dave, david do you do you, so, so yeah. just just to put a cap on this because of his agnosticism uh lovecraft not intentionally tapped into anything extraterrestrial extra phenomenal any anything anything like that is that is that that what your belief is is that he just if he stumbled upon some truth he did it by accident and some by common out by some commonality of our humanity uh, or, or do you think he's in some, like we just call back to our re- recent episodes. He's, he's in some secret society of authors. I mean, he definitely talked with a whole bunch of people and very, a very few, very close group of people who he hung out with published stuff about characters, worlds, universes that were similar to each other. But real, real quick, do you think, as the as the the author here, he's not he's not necessarily tapping into intentionally anything extraterrestrial or extra phenomenal, metaphysical, whatever you want to say? I would say I don't think it was intentional. I think he might have tapped into something, but it, I would not say it was intentional. I don't think he was a part of a secret society, wasn't Masonic, anything like mm. that. And yeah, he did have stuff with other authors. The guy wrote like a billion letters to people. That's yeah. that's one reason is he was writing off letters to everybody and getting them back, you know, just communicating with everybody. If if he if he had had the internet, oh man, he'd be one of those guys that's sleeping two hours a night and just emailing, chatting with everybody everywhere, posting on everything. Cute. <laughs> Ultimate yeah, yeah. troll. <laughs> but but as it is, I think he was just tapping into something within him and putting it out there and uh, whatever it is, it has that resonance that just hits so many people and touches something. And I I think that's the phenomenal story. And when people want to make a deal about his cat or complain about something else like that, I think it's, they're trying to tear down something that they could never build up. Uh, So, so I'm I'm not saying you are, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, 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 favorite here, David, because any of our listeners, if they're going to spend any time reading over this next few months of of uh, of shutdown, they've got to get into one at least H H P Lovecraft novella. What's your What's your favorite? You've mentioned uh, at the Mount, Mountains of Madness, Dunwich uh, Horror. I'm I, guessing is your favorite. I fucking I really love. Like, Re- I really yeah, like the Dunwich Horror. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Call of Cthulhu is great. Most of these are short enough. You can read them in one sitting. No problem. Yes. Um, but uh, you mentioned the rats in the walls is a good one. I like uh, the shadow out of time was another one. The whisper in the darkness. Um, all those are just uh, the longest thing of his is the dream quest of unknown Kadath. And that's where he starts going into the whole dream realm and trying to go out of your soul into this other realm. And that's another interesting thing that he touches on is, you know, the whole dream world and touching on and meeting all the bizarre entities out there, stuff that kind of relates to like the King in yellow. You guys have heard of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
do you do you have some do you have some input on like how Lovecraft has uh influenced your own writing? I mean, I as a as a, a cinema as a as a cinephile, um, uh, the the idea of like love uh, horror is obviously just some great untapped, um, I you know cinematograph cinematographical like well right where where people just learn how to expose mm-hmm. things in certain ways they get like jump scares as we commonly know it how what what is it what is it how has it changed your writing if i might ask if you could if you could you know make it concise sure sure um i i like to think of horror as the most moral of all the storytelling worlds it's always tied into something you know with the good and the evil and the consequences I, I would say the thing that really attracted me about Lovecraft is his creatures are so alien. We're so far beyond just a vampire and a werewolf or even a fish man, even though he does have fish men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I was so different. And uh, the other thing is he was really close with my personal favorite author, Robert E. Howard, who uh, wrote Conan. You know, and that's why a bunch of Conan's monsters are more Lovecraftian type monsters. And that's my bag is that pulp action. And with the difference between Conan and your typical Lovecraft one is Conan always is able to beat the monster, whereas typical Lovecraft, they go insane. So my stories have more of the hero that's going to triumph and not go crazy. And that's what I do with my writing is the weird Westerns where there's something Lovecraftian that they fight. But I, I definitely inspired by his prose. I like, you know, there's people that will say, oh, he's a terrible writer. Well, it's my some of my favorite stuff to read. So who cares what yeah. the elite snobs say about it? Um, he's, he's definitely got a very colorful description for place and atmosphere. And that's what I like to take from it is the atmosphere, the place I'm in. I'm in the swamp watching the cannibals worship the Cthulhu statue as, as I'm, I'm there when I'm in the story. Sorry, I wasn't as concise as you'd like. No, no, that's that's, that's perfect, man. Oh, that's no, great, the, dude. The, the 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 idea of pulp. Something about the idea of pulp fiction too, where it's just like you write so much that some of it, sure, ends up being throwaway and ends up being like the equivalent of a comic strip and like you know, the, a, a peanuts like line, right. But some of it just mm-hmm. ends up transcending and, and, and some of it ends up getting made, made fun of in such a way that it gets made fun of in such a way, but then it, in a weird way taps into some, especially conspiratorially minded people who are influenced by pop culture, where it starts to define their own reality, where mm-hmm. the Lovecraft just, he made the trees fall so loud that no one can question whether it fell in the in in, in you know it's whether beautiful. no one was around mm-hmm. it you know what I mean like it's it's great that's great a great way, way of, of putting it yeah and, and uh it, it's reminiscent of uh, what's his name from Scientology um, Hubbard Howard uh, Hubbard yeah yeah where it's just like dude you just keep pumping oh, this yeah, shit out yeah that guy out. wrote so much pulp stuff yeah you just keep yeah. pumping this shit out it's goddamn bound to be like listened to by somebody taken taken as reality by some people so um have you guys speaking of l ron hubbard have you guys heard of uh operation snow white have you guys heard of that no no what is this have you heard of that david Uh, no so uh scientology was so fucking powerful that uh they started to infiltrate the cia and they got so much like collateral damage on the cia that's that the cia had to initiate operation snow white where they essentially wiped all records of dealing with the church of scientology well, this is where uh, david miscavige miscavige's wife i'm sure disappeared yes under this whole uh, mix up there's yeah. it's <laughs> fascinating to anyone that wants to look up operation snow white it was like the cia shit the bed when <laughs> fucking uh the church of scientology started infiltrating the cia and it was just like this nasty duel between the two entities and the Church of Scientology is very powerful, uh, especially in L.A. I mean, they have a ton of influence on pop culture. And, I mean, that to me is fascinating. And uh, you brought up something, too, David, that I just wanted to circle back to where uh, a lot of people are, are critical of Lovecraft's work. 
But, you know, a lot of people like Cardi B's music and a lot of people like really, really <laughs> shitty movies. Okay. And, you know, there's no point in liking this shit. So usually if a lot of people like art or artwork or writings or anything, you're probably better off going the opposite way, you know? So fuck whatever anyone says about, you know, anything critical of someone that was truly cutting edge. And someone that that really uh, kind of took the world by storm, and I, you know, I'm actually excited to to check out some of your books, David. Um, talk about before we close out here, man. Um, you know, your other works. You, you, I know you do a lot of westerns that always have kind of a horror spin. Um, but yeah, uh, we're just in closing here, uh, plug plug your uh, your other artwork and and just everything that you've done and uh, your social media once again. Uh, sure. I'm just decided to do a sale for uh, most of my stuff. So all my fantasy stuff is going on sale this week, like February 3rd through the 11th, 99 cents, Kindle books. And then after that, I'll be doing all my weird Westerns and whatnot. Will be the next week, I'll be doing a big sale just to say, hey, it's been a while. Let's get it out. So I like to do action-oriented pulp. Uh, fantasy, you know, Conan the Barbarian, the Witcher type things. Uh, my weird Westerns. It's, yeah, it's, it's like I grew up reading a lot of Louis L'Amour's, but I still like to go, what if he meets a werewolf? What if he meets a Shugoth? <laughs> <laughs> a Sasquatch, whatever. And I put that in there oh, and mix dope. it all up. So I, uh, for, for one of my books, Let Sleeping Gods Lie, I did the tagline, Lovecraft meets Louis L'Amour. <laughs> <laughs> that one's been doing pretty good. Awesome, dude. So, um, so with your westerns, you have I'm, I'm a active on Twitter. Sorry, so with your with your westerns, you you very much stick to like cryptozoology and you tie in like aliens and all this stuff. Um, what about your fantasy books, man? Like, are your fantasy books like medi- medieval type work, or or I'm not familiar with your fantasy works. Uh. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that is like I like having my action hero end up, you know, he's a mercenary. So it's an excuse for him to move around and have different adventures. And in one of them, I have him uh, get washed up on a lost continent that let me do what would happen if, you know, like a big Conan fighting guy, European ends up on the Aztec shore and has to start dealing with Aztecs and the Aztec gods that are like super bizarre and completely alien to his outlook feathered snakes and shit so it's like i i always try to have a little bit of black humor in it a lot of action gods damsels in distress i'm not real progressive that way (laughs) no that's so cool though man i mean and you were about to plug your twitter but i interrupted you i wanted to hear about your fantasy work so what about the twitter oh it's all good that's that's probably what i'm the most active on but you know i'm on instagram that's how i found you guys are you you know, back and forth. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, mostly conspiracy weird stuff. So it's like most of your shows, I'm, I'm semi-familiar with what we're talking about. And I'm, I'm down to keep my mind open for any weirdness that's out there and what's going down. I've always been into cryptozoology since I was a kid, you know, reading up on Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. And I, you know, I'm not, it's not like I believe everything wholeheartedly, but I, I love ingesting it for the sake of fiction ideas, storytelling. And the, the difference between me and Lovecraft is I've got so many books and I've got so much access on the Internet to all these weird things. And I'm fascinated <laughs> with, you know, he had books, sure. But how did he know about Irene, the lost city of pillars that's out in the desert? But then he did. And so then he ends up writing a story called The Nameless City. I don't know how he even mm. knew about that. That's that's still verging on legend and um, tying into all the stuff he does. So that's why I think with the creator, you know, there's something where you're tapping into the muse and he was definitely tapped into something special to come up with his stories. Interesting. Um, Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, dude. No, that's perfect. Because I love that that idea of, you know, you don't you don't believe that he was using drugs. I don't I'm not nearly as educated as you are on Lovecraft, but I feel like if you're getting into that kind of stuff, you're ta- you're you're probably using drugs in my humble opinion. But, you know, you know, much more than I do. Um, and so that that to me is fascinating. Like maybe the dude was just, you know, very, very 
ahead of his time. Uh, and, and that is a, a legitimate belief. Um, but you did mention your Twitter. I don't, I didn't catch the name uh, of your Twitter. What's your handle on Twitter? Oh, it'd be David underscore J West. David underscore J West on Twitter. No underscore. (laughs) Should have done no underscore. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, hey man, you know, I didn't know any better. (laughs) It's a a limited supply, bro. Yes, sir. And dude, um, so you mentioned cryptids too. Before we get out of here right now, I do have to know what your favorite cryptid is, gun to head. Uh, Probably Bigfoot. Probably Classic. <laughs> Just fascinated with that. Um, I had to get a... You guys can see me, right? Yes, sir. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> wall right. there. I've got, a, I've got a big old Bigfoot print over there that I got from uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum. <laughs> That's dope. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, Bigfoot is the classic. We actually have him on one of our t-shirts as a hidden, uh, hidden symbol in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, really appreciate you coming on and just having a, a quick conversation with us about uh, your awesome work and then kind of educating me more so than Brandon on Lovecraft. Um, you know, Brandon is just always talking. And so sometimes I get annoyed I just, when he's just trying to tell me I'm shit. I'm just talking about how I've read all of the books to all of these movies. Yeah. That, that was a yeah. very, 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 very specific liberal type. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I need someone uh, like <laughs> Mr. David West here coming in and, and educating me on uh, on Lovecraft and Cthulhu and the color from space and the fucking dirt. What is it? Dunwich horror. You know, all the shit is fucking awesome to me. And I really do appreciate you genuinely for just hopping on, um, you know, plugging your work um, and, 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 you know, just spending a little bit of time with us, man. Thanks, David. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Anytime. And if you uh, come out with a new book or if you come across any interesting information, love to have you back on. And um, always, <laughs> yeah, of course, dude. That's the thing, man. That's why I want to get you on. You seem like a grinder. You seem like you're always putting out some crazy information, which I love. I am a fan of crazy and controversial information. Um, so, and so are our listeners. So, uh, again, appreciate you, David. Follow him, and uh, you know, we will be in touch, David. So, you take care, man. Bye bye, David. All right, thank you. <laughs>